should be a common sense of righteous living. I think that's what the the psalmist is trying to tell here, and, and, and he gives some example of that. And, and I think we all need to stop and, and, and to listen to that. Before I get into the, the word today, it's so good, again, to have Barb and Daryl with us. And um, they've come back and um, spent some this week here, and they've got their last trailer load heading back to Texas. But you pray for them. They're going to be leaving right after this service Driving out to Texas, pulling a, a big trailer, but Barb and Daryl is so good, so good, so good to have you know, to have them with us. But if you found Psalm, the, the 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 first Psalm, Psalm one, let's all stand together and let's read that together as we honor God's word. I just pray that each with us today would take heed to this, that we'd embrace it, that that realize when the Word of God was written, although this was written some 3,000 years ago, it was still written for you and me today. The Word of God is living. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. This also crosses every cultural line. It, it, it crosses every denominational line. It crosses every even age line. It doesn't matter when you live, this applies to your life. It doesn't matter what background you come from, this applies to your life. And we need to embrace it as our, as the word that God has given to me. And let's read that together. As the word of God teaches us, Psalm 1, starting in verse 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree... Planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. But then there's the transition. It says, The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. Boy, I, I tell you, we need to understand the Lord. Folks, the Lord knows everything about you. There's no secrets that you hold from God. Now, you can, keep them from your, you, can, you can keep them from your spouse or your mom or your dad or your friends, but you don't keep them from God. He says, for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's pray. Father God, we just pray that, God, even now that you'd take these words, that you'd apply them to our hearts, that the God that, that we might allow you to personalize them in our own lives. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you come, you, you take presence in this place today, that, that Lord, that it was you who inspired men of old, David of old, to, to pen these words. And God, in the same way that you inspired him to pen them words, I pray that today that you would write them upon our hearts. That God, that you'd give us eyes that we could see and our minds that we could understand, dear Father. And Father, I pray that within our heart that you would do a work today, that we would respond to however you move upon us. But God, I just pray that, that God, that we would just, um, just take for a moment and imagine, dear Father, that, that God, you want that which is best for us. But God, you've laid out a way. Let us be faithful to follow that way. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. You know, there, there's sometimes in our lives we just do some stupid things, some things that are pretty dumb. As a matter of fact, I think um, I, I probably have my degree in that because I just, I just do some of the most outlandish things every now and then. And, 
and, and kind of want to hit myself on the head. Why did I do that? One of the stories, some of you are familiar with a little bit of the story, but not all the story, because, you know, once something happens, rumor gets out, and um, let me tell you to set the story straight today. About uh, three years ago, or four years ago, time passes quickly when you're having fun, but it was on my anniversary, Wanda Sue and mine's anniversary. That's very near, near Christmas. And boy, that day, she had taken her mom and her dad into Lake City to do a little Christmas shopping for them, and I was sprucing up. We are going to have the big Rollerson uh, Christmas party that evening, and, and um, so I was going to take her out on my anniversary to eat, eat hot dogs and chili and all of that kind of stuff. But we are going to have a good time that day. And so that day while she was gone, I was putting up the Christmas lights at the house, and I'd finished putting up the Christmas lights. But while I was putting them up, I, decided, I looked at a, there was a big tree right in the corner of our yard, and I thought, that thing needs trimming. And so, so I decided I'd go ahead and trim that tree. So I went out and, and got my trusty ladder. I'd been using that, and um, I got it to the side. I got my, my electric trimmers, and, and boy, I, I started my job. I was trimming that tree, and, and the further up, I had to get up on the ladder, but pretty soon, there was not enough ladder, or I didn't have quite enough arm to get to the top of the tree. So what did I do? I crawled to the very top of the ladder, which, you know, there's a sign that says, do not, do not stand on top of the ladder. And did I mention to you that the way I got this ladder, I found that somebody had thrown it away because one of the front legs had been broken, and I, I got me, I, I thought, man, I can use that thing, so I scabbed it together. I mean, who needs to throw away a good ladder that only has three legs? And so I, I, had, I had put me some angle iron on that thing, and, and, um, and so I set it down, and I got right to the very top of that ladder. And you might have thought, well, that's one of the stupidest things you can do. Well, sometimes people do stupid things. And still it wasn't quite enough because in one hand, when one hand I had my electric trimmer and I was reaching just as far as I could on that three-legged ladder, and I, and I thought I had the side of the roof, but about that time it hits a soft spot and the leg kind of, the, the leg kind of trembled on me. And that baby flipped me upside down. So they said, somebody said, Johnny, did it seem like forever? I said, heck no, it felt like, man, I hit, I hit hard. And after a broken shoulder and a torn rotator cuff, a bruised liver, aspiration pneumonia, and two stays in the hospital, and just a long type of recuperation, eating a lot of pride, I thought that had to be one of the stupidest things I ever did. I could have killed myself. And I know that a lot of people, when they thought about that, said, Johnny, you didn't have any common sense at all. How could you be so stupid? No, Wanda Sue, as a sweet wife that she did, she never said that, but I know in her mind she thought, that, Johnny, that was one of the most stupid things you've ever did. And not only that, did, did, did it um, cause so much of a, a problem in my life, but it changed plans for everybody. You know, it ruined our anniversary. She, you know, for my, my children were coming in from North Carolina, and they had to come see Daddy in the hospital. It, 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 it affected our Christmas, and, and then just for, for the, the months ahead, it affected everything. Just because I didn't use any common sense. Hmm. Folks, there's a common sense of doing the right thing. And the psalmist is speaking about 
some of the basic truths that will, will, will change your life if you would allow it. And what he does now is give an illustration, if you would, of, of, of there is a common sense of righteous living. Now, I could have lost my physical life, but he also addresses that area of, of the danger of losing your spiritual life. And I want us to just take this moment and just begin to look at that and, 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 and examine how is it just so common. Just, it, it, it should be something that everyone should be able to see, but, but not everyone does. Just like it, it should have been where I should have known very quickly that tree didn't need trimming if that's all the tools I had. But for some reason, I was blind. There's some of you today that's been blind throughout your life, and life has been miserable to you. And I pray today that God would open your eyes, that he would give you some very basic common sense, that you would uh, abide by God's, by God's word. So let's just look at this, first of all. That let's talk about the righteous living. When I'm speaking righteous living, I'm speaking about that desire, as, as God tells us in Leviticus, he says, sanctify yourselves, and he says, be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, God re- recognizes and God teaches us that, that within none of us, there's none of us righteous, no, not one, that our righteousness comes from him. But, but the righteousness I'm speaking of right now is just that desire to do the right thing, the desire to be more like Jesus Christ, the desire to be holy because God is holy. And, and, and it deals with our practical uh, life decisions that we make every day. And let's begin to look at these things as the psalmist begins to lay that out. And, and first of all, the, well, let's look at some of the benefits, just some of the good things that can happen if, if you choose to live your life in a righteous way as God desires. First of all, it says the righteous man is a, is a blessed man. Blessed is the man. And we, you just need to stop, and that's a very general term for, for man. It can be mankind. It can be um, blessed is the man, blessed is the woman, blessed is a, the teenager. It, it, it is the man, is the person. And in all reality, the word that is used in here is, is a word that's sure that's in the, it's in the Hebrew. It, it, it deals only with man. This is not a word that's ever used of God. This, this is used of man as a word that probably that we use within our language and that we normally translate that as happy. It speaks about the, 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 the blissful emotion that we have as a person when good things are going on around us. And many of your translations may say, happy is the man, and, and that, that's a very good translation. And folks, happiness is not a bad thing. That, God does not look down upon you know, happiness. Some people almost think it's a sin if you smile and you have a good time. Folks, God created us for happiness. It was Jesus who said, I've not only come that you might have life, but I've had you more, have a life more abundantly. I want you to enjoy yourself. I want you to get everything you can out of this life. And the Bible says happy is the man. Well, as I was sitting there studying and reading this particular passage and just dwelling on that particular verse, happy is the man. I, I, I was up early one morning. To, yeah, it was just uh, the dawn would begin to break and look, and, and man, within my heart, I was happy. I thought, man, God, you're good. You're so good to me. Boy, you've blessed me with a family. You've blessed me with a home. And I was just sitting there just thanking God for 
for all the time, but, but he brought me back just a few years ago, to be honest with you folks, I, I was not there. As a matter of fact, I was pretty miserable in my life. And wow, I thought, what a difference of emotion. Where today I just rejoice in just the very good thing, the, the little things where in the past I, I wondered, is, is there anything really to live for? You see, I, I realize there's people that's walked into here today that you understand exactly what I'm talking about because it seems like decisions you've made or life's kicked you down and, and, and you haven't tasted happiness in, in weeks or months or maybe even years. See, the Bible says happy is the man. That's what God desires for each of you. Blessed is the man. And, and it's speaking in the reference to the person that, that, that tries to walk in a way that is pleasing to God, that he's a person who is happy within his spirit. Why does this resonate with so many people? Because I, I believe there's that deep desire within each of our hearts is we just won't be happy. I think that that's why Uncle Si was, was so popular. I started to wear my, 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 my T-shirt today that says, happy, happy, happy. Or my hat. I, I was wearing my hat around this week that somebody had given me, happy, happy, happy. And I think that was why that was such a cultural explosion and, and that, 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 that people saw that because that's the desire of our hearts that, that we just desire to be happy. And, and God says there, there's a way that you can, you can find that and you can find that through me. Yes, the world's going to offer you a lot of stuff, but folks, it's counterfeit and it's going to leave you dry. And we're going to be looking at that in just a moment. But true happiness is found in Christ and Christ alone. And the Bible says the righteous man, that man that chooses to follow Christ, as we look in just a moment, the Bible says happy. That's, that's how the psalm starts out. That's how the entire book of the compilation of the psalm starts out. Happy is the man. I don't believe that's by accident. I believe that God placed that within the, in the place that he did within this psalm, within the entire book of psalms, because that's what God desires of every one of us. And I'm asking you today, dear friends, are you happy? Christ has abundance for you. And it's found in him. But first of all, isn't that common sense? You know, everyone wants to be happy, and so... So what is a path that I can follow, that I can find that? I can promise you the, <laughs> the weeks and the months following, there, there was in my spirit, I, I wasn't really happy after I did that stupid thing because, again, not only because of all my injuries, but how it affected so many people just because of bad decisions. And I would think today, there's people today that you, you are walking in some misery, that you've lost that joy, you've lost that happiness, not to blame. You can't blame it on anyone else. And, and folks, it gets kind of tiresome, everything you, that you always want to blame your bad things happen on, on the devil. Now, there is, surely there's an there's a adversary seeking him he made of hour, but don't blame all your problems on the devil. Most of our problems, if we are honest with ourselves, are because of bad decisions that we've made. 
and it robs us of that joy. It robs us from that happiness that we so desire. And so the first benefit of, 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 of righteous living is just a, an inner happiness, an inner joy. That's that blissful life that you can just, you can just enjoy yourself. But also, we, you need to understand that, that the righteous man also is a wise man. He's a wise man. Listen to how it describes in, describes in the very first verse because the first thing he does is he protects himself from the negative influence of the world. It, he, he is wise enough to understand there's some things I can and cannot do and also there's some people I can and cannot hang out with. Now you may think that's very, very simple, but, but for some reasons, some people don't get that understanding. Some of us don't have enough common sense to understand if there's certain people I hang out with, my life turns out to be a mess. But there's other people I hang out with that build me up and, and, and strengthen me. He says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Man, how, how plain can he say that? You know, Paul quotes these words in, in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, verse 33. But did you know that these were not original to Paul when he says, do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits? Did you know that Paul was getting this from a Greek poet? Because, folks, Paul didn't have the corner on truth. God's truth is out there, and even sometimes pagan writers Understand that which is true better than sometimes us that they call ourselves Christians. And long before Paul ever wrote to the church of, of, of Corinth, he, he picked up a poem. And, and so what, that also teaches me that there's nothing wrong with, with, with reading literature that's other than Christian because Paul knew, he knew the, the, the philosophers of his day. And he, he was well versed in what was going on around him. And he used a Greek poet to emphasize something that, that, that my mom and dad... See, my mom didn't ever quote this particular verse where it says, uh, where, where she says, my mom never really looked at me, be not deceived, evil company corrupts good habits. She would basically, she, she kind of put it in her Lamaism and say it like this, son, if you run with the dogs, you're going to get fleas. And we've all heard that. You see, a... A righteous man has enough sense to understand and protect himself from the negative influences of the world. What you find within this phrase, there's, there's, there's two things that are going on. You, there, there's two different progressions that are going on. First of all, the progression of, of, of walking, standing, and sitting. But there's another progression that's going on of the ungodly, of the of the sinners, and then of the scornful. You think, hey, what's wrong with hanging out with, 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 with those that, that are ungodly? And, and folks, we're not to completely remove ourselves from the world because we have to allow our light to shine. But this is talking about people that you're chumming up with, and, and what happens is you chum up with them, and you just kind of hang out with them, run around. Well, it's not going to affect me. It does affect you. You become who you hang around with. And if you don't watch out, you're thinking, well, I'm going to build them up. No, they'll, they'll bring you back down to their level. And so, hey, I'm just going to hang out. I'm going to talk things about it. I'm going to hang out with these guys. I'm going to walk around with them. But, but pretty soon what happens, you begin to stand with them, and, and, um, 
and you begin to begin to, to talk more deep on the things of the world. So you've been walking, now you stop and really begin to entertain the thoughts of, of someone. You begin to debate back and forth. And notice it goes from the ungodly to sinner. See, an ungodly person is basically just a person who lives his life apart from God. But a sinner is a person who actually rebels purposely against God. They, they're living a life in rebellion against God. And so it's, a, it's, a, it's another step there. But now you're beginning, to stop, you're beginning to stop and debate with these people. You're talking with them. And also you, you begin to talk about the things of the world. And, and you begin to think, well, what, you know, if it's okay with this guy, why is it okay with me? But there's another progression. Then you sit at the seat with the scornful. The scornful are those people that are just, just pretty radically against the things of God. They laugh at people to come to church on Sundays. They laugh at people that they call people goody two shoes, you know, that when when you when you try to do the right things, they're, you know, they they instead of instead of their sin just being what they would think personal now, they're they're actually trying to make you feel embarrassed because you love God. They make you feel stupid that you even believe there's a God. They kind of just shake their fist at God. But what are you doing now? You're sitting at the seat. You know what that? You've become one of them. Wow. You see, the righteous man understands there's, there's a great danger about having surrounding yourself with negative influences. And he protects himself from that. It says, happy is the man that does not walk or take counsel from the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or seat in the seat or sit in the seat of the ungodly. You know, the question I have to ask, who do I hang out with? Young people, this is absolutely so important. You will become who you hang out with. But this guy understands that. He's thinking it's common sense. It's just, i got to be careful. But then also, he, he does not, he simply will not allow himself to get caught up. Yes, there's times that he, he will be in the presence and he knows he, knows he needs to go out and, 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 and minister into a, into a darkened world and he's, he needs to get out where, where he can be the light and the salt, but he understands that he's got to protect himself or otherwise he'll be consumed with it himself. You know, I'll just admit to you, there's years ago that I grew up in church, and as a teenager, though, that my buddies used to be the, guy, used to be the guys of the world, and, and I did a lot of things I'd have never done if I hadn't been with those buddies. And then I just found myself, you know, getting deeper and deeper and deeper. You know, drinking the beer, doing the things, and then that becomes very common to me. See, I walk with them, and then I begin to stand with them, and then I begin to sit with them. I begin to even think there's no problem with this. But then I I begin to realize when, when God opened my eyes and began to give me some common sense that, and finally, you know, say, God, whatever it takes, I've got to break myself away from this. Because I realize I can't go back into some places because if I go back into those places, 
then I will fall right back into where I used to be. Because I had problems. And, 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 and God began to give me some wisdom and began to give me understanding that if I'm going to live for him, if I'm going to break away from And these were the things that were bringing misery in my life. These were things that were bringing pain in my life. One of me were newly married, and, and, and boy, it was causing division between her and me. And, and again, I couldn't blame anybody other than myself. And it was because I had united myself with, with the people I should not be, be, be living with. They were my old buddies, and, 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 um, and they were leading me in paths I should not go. But gosh, I was following them. And I've shared with you how many times before, you know, that there's times I realized I needed to get out of the car, but I didn't do it because I feared my friends more than I feared God. But finally, as God began to open my eyes and he began to give me some common sense, I realized I don't need to be around these guys anymore. And there's even places I don't need to go to because um, the Bible teaches me to flee the, even the presence of sin because I, I knew I was still weak enough. If I, if I went back there, I'd be right back in it again. You see, there's some of you today that, 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 that probably, maybe your eyes have not been opened because some of the folks that you hang out with... <laughs> Be honest, they don't love you. They want to drag you down to the same hole that they're in. And you may need to form a whole new group of relationships. And there's wisdom within that. There's wisdom. That, that's, a, that's an eternal truth that, that even the Greeks understood that. But what does he do? He then strengthens himself Instead of he removes himself from the things that affect him negatively, and what he does is strengthen himself with the things that will affect him positively because he delights himself in the law of the Lord. He strengthens himself. The things that, that, he, that bring him pleasure, and that's what that word means, delights, he begins to pleasure not in the things of the world but in the things of God, and he begins to delight himself in the Word of God, but delights himself in the Word of God. Because he begins to understand that this is truth. And Jesus says it's the truth that will set you free. Folks, it was the Word of God that changed my life years ago. It was the Word of God when I was telling you I was in this transition. I just began to pick up, as a matter of fact, it was a living Bible, a, a paraphrase. And I began to read that. And, and, and what, it became so personal to me because it began to seem like it, it, seemed like it was speaking. Every, every page I opened up, it seemed like it had my name written in it. It's like that God had written, written that book with me and me only in mind. And it began to bring such conviction upon my soul. And, and, but, 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 but I realized its words were true. And I began to realize that the problems of this world were mostly problems that I was bringing upon myself. And, and after a while, I couldn't get enough of it. I just had to consume it and get up way early in the morning, just begin to, to, to pleasure myself in the, in the Word of God, and it began to transform my life because the Bible says that Word is truth. And the Bible says the cleansing of the Word, and it began to cleanse my life. It began to cleanse my mind and, and cleanse places I went and, and cleanse um, things that I were doing. And, and you know what was amazing? My life began to get happy again. I remember one day thinking about, man, I don't have to worry about whether I lied to somebody because I hadn't lied to anybody. I don't have to worry about wanting to see finding out where I should have, I was someplace that I shouldn't be because I hadn't been any place I shouldn't be. I didn't have to worry about walking around the, the, 
the, the corner and seeing somebody that I'd been talking about because I hadn't been doing that. You know, some of us live that li- our, our life because we're scared to death to see somebody. It's kind of like you guys out there that likes, you know, it's got a heavy foot. Man, you're popping along there 85, and then you see a trooper, and your life's miserable. Well, so be it. You're doing what you shouldn't be doing. He's just doing his job. And so if we're out there living our life, doing our own thing, and, and then we're confronted with someone, it brings misery in our life. But if you're doing the right thing, you don't have to worry about that. See, that's what I like about Dr. Adrian Rogers. He, he, you know, he used to argue for the point that even if there was not a heaven, he said, I'd still tr- choose Christianity. I'd still choose righteousness because my life is so much better than where I used to be. And I think that's so true. So he delights himself in the law of God because it's through the law that he finds freedom. It's through the law that he finds out about his own need of a Savior. It's through the law that he finds out that God's provision of a Savior, Jesus Christ. It's through the law that God introduces himself to us. And he says, my pleasure is no longer the things of the world, but the righteous man's pleasure is in the law of God. That's just a wise man. Pretty wise reading the instruction book. You know, how many times have we, we, we started to build something and, you know, get a little tool set or, you know, how to put up a little building and we're so smart we don't need the instructions and so we throw them away and then get in a mess? Folks, this is God's instruction book. And so it's a pretty wise thing to, to read the instructions if we want to live a life that he has created for. See, a righteous man is also a fruitful man. The Bible says he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. I think that's the great joy in life. I think that's our, our purpose in life is to bring forth fruit. As a matter of fact, Jesus speaks about this, the idea of, of fruit bearing quite often. You know, if we have no fruit, then we need to examine what type of tree we are. The Bible says a good tree will bring forth good fruit. An evil tree will bring forth evil fruit. The Bible also speaks about that, that, that branch on the vine that brings forth no fruit, God prunes off. But a person, a person who, 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 who lives in, in a righteous manner, it, it says that he's a fruitful person. And what that means, I, I think it means, especially from an inter- eternal perspective, the only way that we can affect our, our own life eternally or affect someone else's life eternally is through the eternal himself, Jesus Christ. And, and God can change us, and we're, we're used to our life produce nothing but misery and pain and heartache and that type of fruit. But now the fruit that we produce is joy and peace and encouragement. And not only is our own, there's fruit within our own life, but we begin to bear fruit around us. That people begin to see us and think, wow, I don't know what, what type of fruit that is, but I want me some of that. That we begin to produce fruit around us. And folks, there's no greater joy then we, we begin to be a fruit bearer for our Lord. That's when it turns from me unto the God that you're using me to touch someone else's life. 
that he'll bear much fruit. You'll see it within his life. You'll see it in people's life around him. You'll see it in his or her children's life. That that fruit is being poured out upon others. And so I ask you today, what type of fruit do you bear? Do you bear eternal fruit of of righteousness or do you bear bad fruit of misery and pain? I mean, when you walk into a room, do people light up because they know that when you come into that room that you're, you're bringing something special? They just love having you hang out. Or do you walk into a room, everybody kind of just soils over because they know that you're you're bringing a cloud into that room. Folks, let's be honest about it. See, the righteous man is a blessed man. He's a happy man, but he's also a very fruitful man. He brings good fruit. And isn't that what we all want to do? We all want to be not only be blessed ourselves, but bring a blessing to other people. There's joy in that. There's, there, 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 there's happiness in that. And I thank God for, for, for those of you that you live your life sharing your fruit with others. And also the righteous man is a stable man. Look what he continues on saying. It says, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruits in a season. And then look at this next clause. His leaf also shall not wither. His leaf also shall not wither. He's a very stable man. Regardless of the weather, he's always going to be the same. His leaf shall not wither. Remember, he's planted. It's like a tree planted by the rivers of water, regardless of what the weather is going on, he is drawing his nourishments from something so much deeper. He's drawing his nourishment from God himself. And regardless if the, if, if, if the sun gets hot and there is no rain and everyone else is parched around him, his leaf will never wither. Now let's admit that, friends, that there's sometimes in our life that there's some hot winds that blow in our life. And, and, and where we used to seem to have a lot of vitality, that it has just sucked it out of us. And life would do that to you. It doesn't matter, no matter how close you walk with Christ, that there's going to be some hot winds blowing your life. But if we're a righteous man, our roots run deep and our nourishment comes from the well of living water. And our leaf will not wither. Man, that's so good. That is so good to know that even though the storms may may blow or the sun may be hot in my life, that I I can be stable because God is the one who gives me my strength. Isn't that good? Isn't it common sense to, to want to live a life that regardless of, of what the, the temperature out, is outside in the world that I live in, that my leaf is not going to wither? But he says also, the righteous man is also a successful man. And whatsoever he does shall prosper. This, this brings me to the thought 
when God spoke to Joshua before he was to move the people in the land, when, when he said to Joshua in Joshua 1.8, one of my, my favorite verses, it says, The book of the law shall not depart from out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, and you shall observe according to do all that is written in it. For then you shall make all your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Who does not want to have a prosperous life? Who does not want to have a successful life? Now, this may be not measured in the way the world says success, but in a life that you can look back and say, wow, I did well. And the Bible says it's that righteous man. It's the man who, who, has, who has delighted in the law of the Lord, the, the man who has been stable regardless of what went on around him, the man that, that walked his, his, his life in a very wise way, protecting him from himself from, from, from the evil as well as on filling himself for that which is good, that his way is successful. When just a few months ago, we had that funeral for Brother Jack Mann. Brother Jack passed away and probably didn't have two nickels to rub together. Didn't have much, you know that. But there laid a successful man. I'm telling you what, there's a man I want to be like. You know, he didn't have a whole lot, didn't care about a whole lot. But I tell you what, everywhere he went, he blessed people's hearts. Because you saw the radical change that occurred within his life. You saw the happy, he was just a happy man. Didn't it make you feel good when Brother Jack was around? Man, you know, you're talking about a hand. That was Brother Jack. And, and boy, he just went around just sharing his fruit everywhere he went with that smile and that old, that old Ranger pickup truck that he, could, he had to pull away because it didn't have a reverse in it. And so he had to make sure he, he pulled it in someplace. And, and he also had that old weed eater hanging out the back of it, you know, if he could do a little weed eating. And, and um, you know, Brother Jack was a successful man. And anybody that knew him... It, You'd kind of want to be like Jack. That's what God wants of you and me. You know, that's a, that's a, a person that's lived their life that when people look at you, it's, they, it's not that they're counting how many cars you drive or what house you live in. They, they look at you and say, man, whatever he has, I want, him some, I want some of that because that person was successful. And folks, that should be, these, these things should be something that all of us desire. It's to live a life like that, and, and it's, it's that person whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night, and he chooses, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow Christ, and, 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 and God's going to bring these things. But, you know, not everyone can say that. Because then there takes a turn, there takes a transition within the psalm, and it, it speaks about the sorrows of unrighteous living. Because he says in verse 4, he said, the ungodly are not so. He says, the ungodly can't claim all these things. He says, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Do you remember where it says that for the righteous man, his leaf does not wither? Well, just the pole opposite, the unrighteous man is like a person that he's like a chaff that the wind drives away. He is very unstable man. You know, things may be going for him, or, or, or he may be happy when things are going well, and, 
and, and the business is running good, and the kids are all, all acting all right. But what, what happens when everything falls apart? What happens when he loses his job? What happens when one of his kids begin to rebel? What happens when his wife walks out? The Bible like, said he's like the chaff that the wind blows away. He falls apart. Why? Because he has nothing to hold on to. He's built his house upon the sand. Jesus Christ speaks about that at the end of, of the Sermon on the Mount where he says, you know, the, the, the man that hears these words of mine and heeds to them is like a man who builds his house upon a rock. Even though the, the winds may come and the rains may come, the house is going to remain steady because it's built upon the rock. He says, but the person that hears my words and do not heed the things It's like a man who builds his house on the sand because when the rains and the storms come, his house is going to fall away because he's built his house on the sand. You see, an unrighteous man who builds his house on the sands of this world. You know, the world says, you know, live your life this way or or, or place your idea of success in this way. But folks, one day, those foundations are going to fall apart. And when it happens, you're going to be like, the chaff that the wind blows away. And then you wonder, why is my life so miserable? Because you've built your house on the sand rather than on the solid rock. See, the unrighteous man is an unstable man. Also, the unrighteous man is a condemned man. And and you have to hear this. He says in in, in, in verse 5, the first part, of the, therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. You know what that's saying to us? Every, for every one of us in this place today, we're going to stand in judgment for, before the righteous king one day. For some reason, that's not been very popular within the churches today. We don't want to talk about that. But folks, one thing, it's appointed unto us to die, and after that, the judgment. We're all going to die if Christ tarries. And regardless, even if Christ does not tarry, he tarries and he... he, he it brings us to himself, we're all going to stand in judgment. And there's going to be no excuses. There's not going to be no what ifs. You're going to stand before the face of the righteous judge. And the Bible says the ungodly man is condemned. It's not that you will be condemned, you're already condemned. Matter of fact, we love the verse John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him um, will not perish but have everlasting life. But the very next verse says, For God sent not a son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, that he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Wow. You see, if you're here today and, and you have chosen to resist uh, trusting Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, It's not that one day you're going to stand in judgment and he's going to condemn you. The Bible says condemnation is already upon you. It's just only by his mercy that he has not allowed his wrath to fall upon you. Wouldn't it be common sense to receive the Christ who died for me so that I would not be condemned? And and I ask you to take, take heed of that this morning and think about that this morning who is your Lord? Who is your Savior? Who have you committed your life to live? You know, are you living your life for you? Or are you living your life for Jesus Christ? Because the outcome is going to be totally different. The unrighteous man is 
is not a stable man. He's a condemned man. He's also, he's, he's an exiled man that he's outside of the body of Christ. He says, not sinners in the congregation of the righteousness. That you're not a part of the true church. That one day when Christ comes, you're going to be standing outside looking in. And by that time, as the virgins, the parable of the virgins, the door's going to be locked and, and you can't get in. Man, I don't want me none of that. Choose Christ. It's also an unrighteous man is a perishing man. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish. He says, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Folks, that speaks of eternal damnation, eternal punishment, where the worm dieth not and the fire is never quenched. So if you sit back and just look at this from eyes that what's the right thing to do, it would be very pretty common sense that, hey, the way of God is the right way. I, 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 I challenge you today to choose Christ. I challenge you today to choose to walk in him in righteousness. It will bring happiness in your life. It will bring bring stability. It will bring wisdom within your life. It will bring fruitfulness in your life. It will bring success within your life. But if you you say, if you choose to push Christ away, if you choose to to true God and his, his, his word away, you can't blame anybody other than yourself. I'm asking you today to choose Christ. The Bible says we all sin, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son that if you'd believe in him, we'd not perish but have everlasting life. And that everlasting life is that blissful life, that, that abundant life. How about you today? In just a moment, I want to pray, and after I pray, our, our team's going to come up and lead us in a time of of song and invitation because I'm going to invite you. I want to invite you to to make a decision today. I I started out this sermon talking about a stupid decision that I made that was just in the physical realm where I I crawled up on a a broken ladder and that ladder fell and I wound up broken. You see, some of you today are standing on broken ladders. Some of you are standing on on thoughts of this world. It's not going to hold you up one day. It's going to collapse from under you, and it's going to leave you. Much more than in a physical hospital, it's it's going to cause you to perish. I'm asking you today to set your foundation on that which is strong on Jesus Christ. Come to Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we love you, Lord and God. I just pray that right now, Father, as we close this, this portion of the the service out as we move into a time of this decision, that Holy One, that you would just open people's eyes and God, give them, give them, the, them just the common sense that their eyes would be open and let them see you, dear Father, as only, only you can reveal yourself and let them come to Jesus. God, there's such a better way. There's such a better way when we follow Jesus Christ. And I pray today, dear Father, that you just begin to move in folks' lives.
let us deal with, with the reality of where we are, and let us, let us run to you, Father. God bless this time, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand. We're, again, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. This is our time of decision. And I ask you, as the Holy Spirit spoken to your life, as I read through this and I applied it into my life again, it began to bring all kinds of things to my life, folks. It's, it just makes good sense to follow Christ. It makes good sense.